much, Sarah. Um, yeah, as James pointed out, uh, my name is Matthew Welday. I'm a senior ETM major here at OU. I've been a student leader for going on three years now, and I am the second of four boys uh, who are all within four and a half years of one another. So we all grew up pretty close to each other. I think I have some photos. Um, and this is some, some from uh, Ocean City, Slovakia, Gatlinburg. Just a couple of the trips I've gone on. Uh, I graduated from High School Central, if there's any tigers in the room. It was like two. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, this week we're actually going to be kicking off a new series that's called The Parables of Jesus. Uh, and Jesus teaches that life in God's kingdom is very different from ours. It's actually so different that he uses these short stories or parables to show us these like new kingdom realities. When he teaches these parables, he wants it to change the way we view God, the gospel, in our own lives. Tonight we're going to be looking at the parable of the prodigal son. The prodigal son's a story about two sons, the younger of which leaves the father. And then we talk about how the father and the older son responds to his return. The story is going to show us how even when we run from God or turn from him, he's still looking for us, chasing after us, wants to welcome us home and call us his children. A little bit of context, we're going to be reading in Luke 15, 11 through 32. Um, Jesus is telling this parable to a bunch of sinners and tax collectors, people who are looked down on by the Jewish people, were seen as unclean or unfit. And he's also telling it to scribes and Pharisees, who were seen as leaders and teachers in the day. And these Pharisees and scribes looked at Jesus in disdain for affiliating with and eating with these tax collectors and sinners. So we're going to start in verse 11 of Luke 15. I'm going to have it up here on the screen as well. And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that's coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far-off country, where he squandered all the property in reckless living. And when he'd spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long ways off, his father saw him and felt compassion, ran to him and embraced him. And kissed him, sorry. <laughs> And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. They began to celebrate. And the older son was off in the field, and he came and drew near to the house. 
He heard the music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he was received back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, look, these many years I've served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I may celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who's devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. So first we're going to talk about the younger son who ran away from the father. At the beginning of the story, we see this interaction between the younger son and the father. And he says, Father, give me the share of property that's coming to me. Here he's talking about his inheritance, which usually you can only receive after your parents die. He's telling his father, you're dead to me, and I want to leave. And he wants to go and do what he wants, not concerned with how it will affect him, what it will mean for the property that he inherited, how it may hurt him or make things worse for him. And I'm sure for a while it was fun, but then the famine came. He was so hungry that the slops for the pigs became appetizing. He was feeding to the pigs. The slop was just a mix of whatever they could find, and he was hungry for it. He longed so much for something that would fill him, but the Bible says no one gave him anything. He'd gone from an honored son to an unclean servant who was starving and couldn't get what he needed. He'd left a life of abundance for what he thought would be better. He went and he went off into the far country where he thought he would be finally satisfied because he didn't think he was at the house. We all too often think that we know what's best. We try to rationalize our sin. We say that we know better and we turn to ourselves instead of to him. We see that when he decides to return home he says to himself he will beg to be a part of the house, one to be sustained and provided for. But he wants to return to his father mainly. He begs to just allow him to serve the father. He sees his sins against him, says, I'm not worthy of being called a son. Just treat me as one of your servants. One other thing I want to hit on is the father's reaction. When he sees the son still far off, the first thing he feels is compassion. And we know that he sees him a long ways away. Jesus specifically mentions that. So we can tell that the father was out looking for the son. Even after all this time and all the things he did, he was looking for him. And immediately he runs to him, hugs him, and kisses him. It's important to remember that the younger son was tending to pigs, which in the Jewish culture were ceremonially unclean. Anyone who touched them was considered unclean themselves. But the father doesn't stop and have him go through the cleansing first or have him take a bath or wipe off the mud or any of that. He's immediately runs to him, embraces him. This is how God loves each and every one of us. He doesn't wait until you're clean or until you've conquered every sin and temptation because we never will. God comes to us in our sin, in our unholiness, and says, I love you, you are my child. He doesn't ask us to fix ourselves first. He just says, come to me, all you who are weary. He will take care of the rest later, 
He just wants you to come to him. To summarize the younger son's story is this. Son leaves the father, takes control of his own life, but it only leads to despair and ruin. He realizes he can't find what he's looking for, and what he needs is to return to the father. He admits he can't live without the father and begs him to take him as a servant. The father was searching for him, goes out to meet him, welcomes him with open arms, shows him his love, and calls him his son. He celebrates his return, feeds him, and clothes him. And this story that Jesus told is remarkably similar to our own. We left the father. We took control of our own life, but it only led to our despair and ruin. We realized that we can't find what we're looking for. What we need is to return to the father. We admit we can't live without the father and beg to serve him and for him to take us as a servant. The father was pursuing us, came down to earth, and met us. He welcomed us with open arms, showed us his love, and called us his children. He celebrates our return, nourishes us, and clothes us in Jesus' righteousness. But Jesus doesn't only talk about the younger son. There's two of them. The older son stayed with the father, served him, and never disobeyed him. He's angry with his father because he doesn't receive that same party and celebration that the younger son had. And he refuses to go into the party and even calls his brother that son of yours, no longer claiming him, essentially saying that that brother is still dead to him. The self-righteousness and pride of the older brother just allowed him to see what he thought he deserved, not the father's graciousness and generosity. I feel personally I can relate to the older son a lot more. I grew up in a Christian household. I did what my parents asked of me. I tried to obey the Ten Commandments. I went to vacation Bible school. I watched Veggie Tales. We prayed at Christmas and Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, I felt like I was doing what God asked of me, or at least what I thought he wanted me to do. Then I heard all these stories of how God would speak to others, their radical life change, these incredible testimonies, and I felt that God never did any of that for me. That he must not love me as much, or he didn't care for what I'd done for him. But like the older brother, I'd miss the point. The gospel isn't about getting everlasting life or getting some prosperity here on earth, or joy, or any of that. It's about getting God himself. We see in the older brother's story that the father came out to the son. He saw he wasn't at the party, and he went to look for him. The father's chasing both sons in the story, the one who stayed and the one who obeyed. Sorry, the one who stayed and the one who left. He knows that both have missed the point. The money, the property, the inheritance, the young calf, the party, the celebration, the music, none of them were the gift. He is. I, like the Pharisees, thought that my faith and good works would earn me some right standing with God. That if I had done enough of them, God would finally love me. If I went to the church services, went on the retreats, I would finally be good in God's book. I couldn't contemplate that God could love me as I was, that he would care for me and call me his son. I always tried to give the good church answers, 
to go to the Bible studies and even invited people to them because I thought that would be the final mark. That's when I would earn his love. I had to realize that that's not how God's love works. He doesn't love me for some sanctified version I can be or for all the good works I'll do on the way. He doesn't love me because someday my sins are finally going to be outweighed by the number of good works I do. He loves me because that is who God is. He loves me because I'm his child. He loves me because he wants to have a relationship with me and he wants me to have a relationship with him. I never realized that the relationship with God was the prize. Loving God and truly being loved by him. I could never earn my way to God or earn his love. All of us are too broken for that. And thankfully, I don't have to. I don't have to make myself clean before he's going to run out and hug me. I don't have to feign this happiness and go into the party and celebrate for someone else before he'll come out and console me. Growing closer to God and becoming more like him, they aren't the reason for his love for us. They're the result of it. To truly hear the parables and to understand them, we must let them change us. It's the reason he told them. We must take action in response to what Jesus taught and let it work through us. There's a few different kinds of people in this room. Some of you may fall into multiple categories. That's okay. Um, But there's those of us who are like the older son and like me, who may feel dejected in response to the party, who may feel like God didn't show up for us like he showed up for other people, or that our testimony is boring. For us, we must reflect on the way that he has lavished his blessings on our life. How he's provided throughout our lives. We also must be honest with ourselves and see the ways that we've turned from him and the ways that we are like the younger brother and have ran away. Those sins we're hiding and don't want to bring to life, the self-righteousness preventing us from truly knowing him and celebrating the gifts that others have and knowing his love for us. The ones that we rationalize or downplay and we won't submit to God because they're keeping us from feeling that connection, that relationship with him. There's also those of us who are like the younger son and have already returned home, had the celebration, been clothed in the clothing, have the ring and the shoes, and are just now learning what it means to be a child of God. We must treasure our relationship with the Father above all else, just as we see Jesus do. We must look at Jesus and run after him, laying aside our sins, laying aside our burdens, all those things that are holding us back from running at him at full speed. We must do this not out of fear that if we don't, he won't love us, but out of a desire to fully trust him and submit to his will, out of love, and trust that his will is better than ours. His ways are better than our ways. We must strive to be like Jesus, to have a relationship with the Father, and follow not out of fear, but out of love. Lastly, there's those of us who are like the younger son, but haven't came home yet. We're still living recklessly for the pleasures of today, for ourselves, or we're in the famine, a tired, starving servant who can't find satisfaction or fulfillment. Those who feel that hole, that void 
that we just can't seem to fill. No matter what we try and put in it, it just doesn't fit. We must look at our lives and see that we're unable to find that fulfillment here. We must humble ourselves and turn to the Lord. He is pursuing each and every person in this room waiting for you to come home. He wants to embrace you, to clothe you, to feed you, but he will not force himself upon you. You must turn from your life and come home to him. And once you choose him, he will run to you, embrace you, give you that fulfillment, that hole will start to go away, and he'll truly fulfill you. If you feel like this is something that you want to do, or if it resonated with you, don't be afraid to process it with someone you trust. Even if you haven't experienced the Father before, he is pursuing you. Don't run from him. If you want to let a staff member or community group leader know, we would love to talk to you about what this means, some next steps, and give you some information. The parable of the prodigal son tells us we are loved and pursued by the Lord. And whether we're the older or the younger son, we are his children. The Lord loves us and wants us to live a life in a relationship with him. No matter what we have done, we can never be too far from him. We can never out-sin the cross. Every sin we've ever committed, past, present, and future, Jesus has already paid for. If we just accept the gift, he freely gives. We must reflect on our life and be thankful. And when we see that we are not running towards him, we have to constantly turn back to him every time we run away. Because nothing is better than living a life with and for God. If you have any questions or want to talk to me more about anything I said tonight, feel free to come down after 180. I'd love to talk to you. Or you can meet me at the game night. I'll be there. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go ahead and pray us out. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your grace, your love, and everything that you've lavished upon us, God. Thank you for all the people in this room who took time out of their day to come out and hear about you. And I pray that everyone here has open hearts and open minds. And that if we feel something after hearing about the parable, that we're not afraid to tell someone about it. God, you are amazing. You are so loving. And thank you for everything you've done in my life and in everyone's life in this room. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thanks to our listeners for tuning into this episode of the 180 Podcast, a production of Crew in Southeast Ohio. If you enjoyed this episode, please give it a like, a share, or leave an encouraging comment, and that will go a long way toward helping others hear about the podcast. The podcast isn't the only thing that we do. Whether you're a student living on campus or if you're still at home studying virtually, we'd encourage you to check us out on social media to hear more about what's going on. You can follow us on Instagram at crew at OU, or to learn more about who we are and what we do, head over to our website, crew at OU.org. We'd encourage you if you visit the site to complete our involvement form to get more connected to all the things that are happening. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to seeing you next Thursday for another episode of the Morning.